0: Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Hi, this is Tim Venable of Cornet Global. Joining me for this edition of What's Next is Pranati Yagi, founder, president, and chief executive officer of Tango Analytics. He's here to talk with us about Workplace 2.0. Thanks for being here, Pranav, and if you would, please introduce yourself a little further.
1: Thank you, Tim. I'm glad to be here. Uh, my name is Pranav Tyagi. I'm the CEO of Tango. I've spent the last uh, 23 years now in the real estate industry, the first 10 in consulting with big four firms focused on real estate, and then the last you know 13-plus years now since we started Tango, which is a software service provider for the real estate you know, in- industry in general, Uh, for corporations and and for retailers and restaurants. So I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you again, Tim. quite welcome. Mm -hmm. Great to have you here. So today we're going to discuss
0: Office of the Future and Workplace 2.0. Could you explain what you mean by this?
1: Uh, Sure. As we discussed uh, during our previous podcast we did a few months ago, the Office of the Future is a big question mark for most companies and uh, constantly evolving. As the new data is analyzed, therefore, the journey to workplace 2.0 is really happening for most companies in three sort of discrete phases. Um, the first of those phases is what we're calling planning of the, planning the return, which really involves looking at what we have learned during the pandemic. Most companies now have a year or more of experience with employees working from home, and there seems to be general consensus that the physical office will always remain and will will maintain uh, will. Uh, Uh, Play an important role for employees uh, as a place of connectivity, collaboration, and culture. So, as you plan the return to work, obviously safety and employee well being is front and center in any such plan. And companies are in the process of soliciting input from their employees to better understand their concerns and desires around the return to office. And therefore, that planning activity um, necessarily involves balancing that employee feedback against the business objectives and productivity requirements. Uh, and therefore, the underlying demand for space and how it's going to get used and how it aligns with you know, existing holdings of space. So I think the, a, a couple of ways to think about this is in general, it's rethinking how to deal with individual offices or thinking about meeting rooms and common spaces or how to address broader issues like deep cleaning and air quality. All of those, you know, and if you think about them, it's important for companies to take all necessary steps towards creating a safe yet effective environment. And to communicate effectively with employees to make them comfortable and confident about the return. And even more importantly, build some contingency into the plans to deal with evolving situations. The next sort of phase in this is the return to office phase. You know, only so much can be learned through initial discussion and planning of the return, but once you start executing on the plan, you really start to deal with what's actually working and what's not working for an individual organization and then what a dynamic workplace looks looks like for a company. As an example, uh, when people are coming into the office, uh, what space are they using and for what purpose? You know That data will help companies understand their future space needs. And technology, I think, also plays a pretty critical role in this formative stage. Um, the ability to provide information, data, and analytics as to what's going on, how policies are being adhered to, and what changes need to be made in the near-term or the long-term post-COVID, those are all, You know, technology is a pretty critical part of that. Additionally, Delivering employee-facing applications, you know, will help build trust and confidence in the workplace. They can say when they're going to be coming in, fill out health surveys, leverage wayfinding, and and things like that. You know, having this kind of employee-facing communication, in particular, offered through their own mobile devices, uh, we believe will provide an an additional sense of safety and and belonging in the workplace. Um, And finally, the workplace of the future, that's the third sort of phase in this. Obviously, this is the least predictable and known stage of this life cycle today. So many factors are going to come into play uh, as we think about this. And and they'll change over time as employee situations change. Uh, With so many unknowns, organizations need to be prepared to embrace opportunities to disrupt familiar norms and ready themselves for the future uh, of the office. These opportunities include understanding the optimal balance between working from anywhere versus working from the office or understanding you know what the actual space needs are for the next normal and workforce flexibility for employees at greater risk and and also a repositioning of what constitutes the employee experience you know, our older norms are just not going to apply in a new reality okay
0: excellent now, In your view, what does the Office of the Future look like? And another question, how far away do you think that is for most organizations?
1: That's a really challenging question to answer. You know, no one knows for sure what the future will be and how far away it is. We do know that the Office of the Future will be dynamic for sure. And what I mean by that, uh, what I mean by the dynamic workplace is a model that gives employees flexibility to work from home or in person Depending upon what they prefer and what the business requires, there's not a cookie cutter model for a dynamic workplace. You know, one thing we know for a fact is, you know, there are going to be some common characteristics to these dynamic workplaces. First, they're going to have to be flexible. That covers flexibility in everything from where people work, either home or office, how often do they come into the office, to even what the office even looks like. Some companies may decide to use satellite locations and other collaborative spaces to let employees, you know, work from from those places. Also, while traditional offices assign specific workstations, in a dynamic workplace, employees may be able to reserve workstations each time they come in. You know, also, I think people are going to have to rethink, you know, work isn't a place you go to, it's a thing you do. So there's a lot of jobs that could potentially be performed from anywhere with Internet access. Uh, and therefore, a dynamic workplace is going to need to leverage the inherent flexibility of the work to allow the environment to change in ways that benefits employees and or the organizations as a whole. The second common characteristic we feel is that there'll be an extensive usage of concepts like hoteling. You know, that's been in place for years to, you know, uh, to reserve meeting rooms and shared office spaces. But I think hoteling is emerging as one of the key components of a dynamic workplace in this plan and and return to the office. The third thing that we believe that's a common thread in all dynamic offices is that it involves trust. You know, employees, you know, offering employees flexibility in the future office, you know, takes trust in the employees and in the employer. Trust that the employees will be productive without a supervisor looking over their shoulders or checking at random intervals. Trust that people can create an environment that's just as conducive to work as their campus workstation. And we've seen many studies that have shown that this great work from home experiment has not really lessened productivity materially. And there's a lot of benefits to this dynamic workplace. The flexibility is more often attractive to employees, right? Talented people uh, tend to be attractive by flexibility. Additionally, it may enable organizations to expand their talent pool instead of having to look locally uh, or convincing people to move to where the office is. They can now choose to hire the best people for the job, even if they're physically in a different location, right? Also, the dynamic workplace uh, allows organizations to use their space more creatively. Uh, lastly, you know, I think it may it may mean that overall less space is needed, which will result in potentially savings from a real estate cost perspective. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Thank you. That's great.
0: Now, how does Workplace 2.0 and omni-channel work, which we've talked about before, affect the entire real estate and facilities life cycle?
1: You know, at some level, the amount of change is, is so big, it's hard to wrap your head around it. There's so much to be done. And if you actually you think about it, it's across the entire real estate and facilities life cycle. As companies look to align their real estate portfolios and look to align their portfolios to address their different workplace requirements, It will result in increased landlord negotiations on existing leases and on new transactions. Also, you know, you have to think about the development of these new office layouts, which we've been talking about, which will spawn dozens, if not hundreds of design and construction projects to reconfigure existing space. Design and construct new space and move employees based on their individual requirements and the requirements of their role and their department into these new locations. Um, you look at the industry right now google just announced a few weeks ago they're going to spend a few billion dollars on real estate right as they as they return back to work also there'll be greater need to proactively manage leases and office maintenance we will have to support new office technology uh, and incorporate cleaning and safety protocols and so on and so forth so finally as part of both planning the return to the office and also taking what's been learned as part of the initial return. Companies will have will need to replace and manage their existing space as well as engage in scenario planning for the office of the future. So what this highlights for me is that the table stakes have increased dramatically. And the requirement for a cohesive technology strategy for real estate. Is now stronger than ever before.
0: Absolutely for, for sure. Now, Rana, we touched on this before, but. How do CRE executives develop a plan that takes into account omnichannel work while also ensuring occupancy optimization?
1: You know, planning to get this balance really needs, you know, the folks involved in this to consider both short-term and long-term activities and objectives. In the short term, given the uncertainty, organizations have to look at the decisions that they're being forced to make right now. So that could be looking at some leases that are coming up for renewal or construction projects that may be in flight, or at least scheduled to begin. Then they have to start, you know, understanding what their employees want. Do they feel safe returning to the office? And if they, if then, and if they do, then how often do they want to be in the office and so on? Right? So the demand for space has to be balanced with with obviously the supply that they have uh, for that space and with all of the health and safety considerations layered in. As employees return, Organizations will need to periodically survey their employees and evaluate how they feel about being back in the office. They'll also want to explore how their decisions about space optimization, you know, impact employees' general sentiments. So planning is an evolutionary process, I guess, uh, in this uh, new environment. We we also think that organizations will need to make predictions about how much space to dedicate to things like hoteling, flex space, or hot desking, whatever people call it, right? Virtual collaboration, co-working spaces, amenities, and so on. And they also need to abandon their open, you know, in some cases, their open floor plans in favor of, you know, plexiglass divided cubicles or double down, or the converse double down on the open floor plan to implement a six foot office, you know? So, while scrapping the pre-COVID floor plan was like flipping a switch, establishing the the office of the future, will be more like adjusting a dial as organizations optimize their space for safety and productivity. We think, you know, density will continue to fluctuate until each organization finds the right balance between their goals at each location. So to summarize this, planning the return to work, you know, we feel has largely been a speculative exercise, making predictions based on very limited data and very recent employee behavior. The actual return to the office, we look at that as a learning period an adjusting period as companies will experiment with the new users of space and examine how employees uh, navigate the offices in light of COVID, and then how normalization you know, happens around these virtual work environments. And the floor plan of the future, we feel, will reflect what the organizations have learned and what they've gained from data over time, and ultimately determine sort of what the post-COVID work culture is gonna be. Right, okay.
0: Now, what would you say are some of the must-have tools for the workplace of the future to guarantee the, the flexibility and the safety of employees?
1: I think there are two broad categories of tools. There are tools that for the employer, and then there are tools for the employee, right? At an employer level, company level, I think the, the tools have to be have to allow them to, to sort of safely manage the return to the office and then monitor that as well, right? There's so many moving pieces. We've heard a lot of our customers talking about trying to capture the data uh, to figure out who's in what space, where within the space are there, are there any spots? of density of people, are there any, are there any social distancing issues, How are we bringing all this information together uh, to operationalize it. And then the employee-facing technology is equally important because it can help facilitate you know, basic things like employee surveys to gauge interest and concerns about return to work, and when they get back, you know, regular wellness surveys and so on. Also allows them to do things like booking a desk or a conference room right from their personal device and then potentially assisting contact tracing, you know, purposes or allow employees submit requests for maintenance or cleanliness and things like that. So, those are the employee facing sort of technology tools, but I think what all, you know, both employer centric and employee facing tools will result in is, is volumes of data that will get generated as employees come back into the office. And then as these tools get used. I, mean, I think a lot of uh, the success of this technology and tools is going to depend upon how this data could work. So on the low end basic things like badge data can be collected to understand who's in the office and when, but that's about it, right? In order to gather more valuable data, companies are putting in sensors to track movement uh, in and out of offices or occupancy of spaces uh, or usage of spaces, the time of day of the use or social distancing and so on. New technologies uh, in an office environment like lidar and blurred image cameras, et cetera, are also being used that allow, you know, for tracking off, you know, people, not, not individually who it is, but where they are uh, and so on. Also, more ubiquitous technologies like, you know, Bluetooth and Wi-Fi uh, sensors that everyone, everyone's cell phone has are being used. So, when you have all of this data that these sensors generate, how do you make that actionable? Well, you've got to pull all that information into, we believe, into an integrated real estate and facilities solution so you, you can have a real-time view both from a safety and from an occupancy perspective. So, how does that work? You know, one example application of this from an employee safety perspective deals with you know showing an employee what's the best way to go from point A to point B in an office. You know, in the past, you know, wayfinding application would simply find the shortest path to get somewhere, but now you're to combine you know the shortest path or the available paths with sensor data, uh, and to understand which areas are have heavier density of people which areas are, are you know, potentially hotspots in, in that manner and get people from point A to point B in the safest manner, not necessarily in the shortest path, right? So, ultimately, we feel leveraging an integrated real estate and facilities solution will help companies understand the efficacy of their policies that they're putting in place. As an example, identify hot zones, real-time occupancy, how people move through space, and then long-term, sort of ultimately help them optimize and manage their real estate portfolio.
0: Excellent. And now, Pranav, my last question, uh, what have you learned from your own work experiences as well as working with your customers that could be helpful to our listeners' strategies and planning for their return to the office?
1: So I think that that's a, that's a very interesting question, especially at the time that we all are in. There's every day you look at you know around you, you see a new a new news story. You know, just recent, just yesterday there was a story about Google coming out with their return to work plan, which is going to mandate from September onwards all employees will be in the office at least three days a week. Right, so that's kind of one extreme example of how people have done it. We as a company are still in our uh, finalizing our plans for our return to work strategy, and we've gone through you know all the usual stuff. We've installed sensors and other equipment such as lidar in our office. Uh, So that we can monitor safety and compliance and and things like that. We're also actively communicating with our employees uh, through surveys uh, through, you know, frequent, you know, all hands calls um, to assess their readiness and get feedback from them um, as to how they want us to sort of plan for this return. And while we we don't have, you know, firsthand experience yet of opening up our offices, we are seeing some general trends in the industry um, across our customers, as well as the larger industry as a whole. The concept of a hybrid workplace we feel is taking hold. What companies have learned during the pandemic is that employees can be productive at home. Now, not every role is equally productive, but in general, companies are, you know, employees are productive. We as a company have operated for almost 13 months now in a work from home environment and have, we feel have been well productive. By separating the where of people work from the how, we feel companies can empower employees to choose where they will do their best work. So, uh, the hybrid model, we feel provides organizations the benefits of remote working, such as increased flexibility, you know, less travel time, reduced carbon footprint, you know, and so on, uh, and and resulting in in more employee satisfaction. Alongside the critical strengths of traditional co-located work, work, such as, you know, smoother coordination, you know, cultural and social benefits, you know, more creativity and face-to-face collaboration, things like that. Obviously, health and safety is a critical component of any plan. Uh, for return to work across the board, we're likely to see more social pressure. And enforcement of stay at home and when sick, you know, policies. Also, organizations, I think will engage in health screenings, both self screening and from surveys. And possibly on-site screening, such as taking temperature uh, of employees as they come in with obviously, you know, compliance to both government and regulatory guidelines, as well as. You know, compliance with, uh, with confidentiality and HIPAA and other types of regulations. And lastly, I think employees will want to see other precautions in the office, both from a reality of those things happening to a visibility of those things happening, such as regular cleaning, uh, touchless sensors, touchless elevators, and things like that within the offices. So I think in general, we are seeing that employees not only value space, but the experience of coming together, something that we've all missed, you know, over the past year. The office matters as a place to come together with each other for a common purpose, right? And for employees, choice Safety and health and well being are top of mind. So, I think that's been our experience, uh, our interaction with our employees and our customers. Is that it's a balancing act and every company is going to have to sort of make their own decision on where on that balancing scale and kind of, they tip their their plans towards.
0: Okay, outstanding. Well, Pranav, it's been great talking with you once again. Thanks so much for sharing these very helpful insights with Cornet Global. Thank you, Tim. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit CornetGlobal.org to learn more.